good. We're talking about Jesus. That's a good thing. And uh, we're carrying on our series through the Gospel of John. We've been going through right from the start. We're up to John chapter 14. And uh, that's where we're starting this morning, right at the start. It's a good place to start, at the start. There's a song about that, isn't there? John chapter 14. And, and this is why I declared a bit earlier, Jesus the Comforter. John chapter 14, Jesus the Comforter is the theme of this chapter. And I firmly believe there are many people in this place because there is, that when you fill a room with this many people, there's a lot of different situations, a lot of challenging things going on, a lot of hardships, a lot of things that we're struggling with, whether it be our own health or the health of a loved one, whether it be uh, the, the provision of finance in a certain area of your life, whether it be a relationship that's broken and needs to be restored, whatever it is, people in this place need comfort today. And so there's going to be an opportunity at the end of the service where I want to pray and I might get Anita to help me. We just want to pray for people that need comfort today. And it's no more complicated than that. Uh, often there's no words for what people are facing. That's why we need Jesus and comfort from him. So it, it, let's get started. It's, it's hard to say goodbye to a friend, isn't it? Who's had a close friend and maybe they've moved away or, you know, as pastors of this church, we've been here nine years now and we've seen lots of great people come and then move because of the transient nature of Stanthorpe and work and needing to move on. And we've had to say goodbye to a lot of really good people, haven't we? So who else has had to do that? You know, you've said goodbye to a loved one and it's just been one of the hardest things you've ever had to do. It's hard to say goodbye to close friends who are moving away. And, and when that happens, we, we talk about the good times we've had together. You know, we try and focus on those things. Maybe we talk about the tough times that we've encouraged each other and, and, and maybe times when we've been lonely and they've been there for us. Or um, we, we may cry when they go. Sometimes we get emotional when loved ones move on for whatever reason. But even if we don't, we, we grieve the loss to some extent. So you may not necessarily cry, but, you know, it's like a part of you goes when it's a really good friend. So, so Jesus knows what it's like to say goodbye to friends. When he chose the disciples three years earlier, he knew he'd be saying goodbye at this point. So that's even harder for him because he knew it was coming because he's God and he, he knows all, sees all. So he knew that the time would come and when it would be that he would have to say goodbye. You know, it was hard for the disciples to deal with Jesus leaving. You know, they must have felt desperate, hopeless. Jesus continued his final briefing with them, and that's what we're around here with John chapter 13 going into 14. And he's trying to comfort them. That's what he's trying to do. He told them about their heavenly home to give them some something to look forward to. You know, this is coming. This is what it looks like. He talked about the relationship that they would have with a different person of God, the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. So again, he's trying to encourage them, let them know something new and fresh is coming when I go. And he promised them peace in spite of the turmoil that was coming with his arrest and crucifixion. So Jesus is comforting the disciples. So let's start from John chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. And uh, I'm just going to make it a bit bigger because, you know, when you get older, your eyes. And he hasn't got his glasses. And I haven't got my glasses. I should really wear my glasses, shouldn't I? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Said all the I, I love you all too. All right, here we go. <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. Thank you, Jesus. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. In other words, he's talking about a better place ahead. There's something better coming. Trust me. Even though it's going to look really bad for a moment, something better is coming. So troubled hearts were the order of the day right now, in in, in this moment. A few minutes before, Jesus had announced that Judas was a betrayer. Remember, we finished John chapter 13 with, with that being revealed. And he told the disciples he was going away and that they couldn't come with him. Then he told Peter he would deny him three times uh, before morning. So this is really encouraging, isn't it, for Jesus? All this stuff, you know, I'm going to be betrayed, you're going to deny me. That was enough news to trouble anyone. And there were more bad times ahead for the disciples. You know, Jesus' death would try their faith in him far beyond anything that they'd experienced to that point. It was going to be a challenging season. So to help calm their troubled hearts, and in light of the near future, Jesus told the disciples to keep trusting him and keep looking to what was ahead. Trust in me, look at what's ahead. Don't look at the now and don't navel gaze and oh, woe is me. Trust me, Jesus, and look at this glorious thing that's coming that's ahead. Jesus' promise was that he wouldn't let them down. After his death, he was going to go back to heaven to prepare places for them in his father's house. And one day he would return to take them home. John's readers would have pictured a first century house. I don't know if you know what they looked like. Um, I've got a picture, I think. Yes, I do. It's a bit blurry. But the house had a courtyard in the middle. That's nice, isn't it? Who likes their gardening? So there's a courtyard in the middle. Then there's all these rooms around the outside. So it was designed for sons to bring their spouses to live there as well and raise their families there all together. Each household had its own room or apartment within the house that provided privacy. So they had their own space. But members also had closeness to the father of the family by gathering in the courtyard in the middle. So they would come out there for mealtime or family social gathering time, and they'd all just join together in the middle, but then they could escape to their own quarters beyond that. Have you um, ever decorated a room for someone special? You know, put up things that they'd like, or you know, maybe colours that they like, or put items in the room that they would appreciate? You know, if you have, you know what it's like to make a room suit one particular personality, because a lot of thought needs to go into it. If it's a daughter, you make the room pretty. Is that right? No? What does your room need to look like? You're embarrassed now. You're embarrassed. You don't want to say. You want it pretty. You like pretty things. You're dressed pretty today. All right, I'll stop embarrassing you now. Stop it, Dad. Uh, If it's a son, the room might have, you know, aeroplanes or model cars or Lego or, you know. Clothes on the floor. Clothes on the floor. Okay. That's day Here's some parents that need some comforting from Jesus later on, so that's, we'll pray for you later. Uh, if it's for Grandma, you know, the room might have her favourite books, or it might be considerably far away from the playroom, so that there's quiet and whatever. 
uh, away from the children. <laughs> you know, we take care with such preparation, don't we, to make it just right for that person. You know, are we to think that Jesus will take less care for those whom he loves? He says he's preparing a place for us. And he's making it just right for you. Yes. All the things that you like, all the things that, you know, sit nice in your heart, the things that make you smile. Jesus is considering all those things as he prepares a place. He loves who are to spend eternity with him. And so he loves you so much, he's not going to create a dungeon and, a, you know, a, a dusty old whatever. You're going to have a lovely place. Let's, let's apply this. We all experience troubles. We all do. There's not one person in this room or online right now that hasn't experienced troubles. Maybe suffering, pain, anxiety, disappointment, loss, whatever it is. These circumstances don't have to trouble us if we know Jesus. Because he loves us so much, he's preparing a place for us. He's bigger than our needs. He's bigger than our circumstances, whatever we face. So when you're feeling anxious or you know disquieted and you're, and you're disrupted in your, in your spirit, take your eyes off your troubles and please put them on Jesus. Sometimes we reach out for people for comfort because we can see and touch and feel. And But, but you know, like I said earlier, sometimes we face things, there's just no words. Like when someone experiences a miscarriage, what, what can you really say to that person? There's nothing you can say. We try and say things and we fumble over our words and we, you know, oh, it's all right, they're in heaven now. And, I mean, that's true. But right now, they just need to grieve. They just need to be allowed and have permission to go through whatever process they need to go through. And there's just no words. Just no words. So that's why we need Jesus. Because he is our comforter. He is our true comforter. Jesus is in heaven right now preparing rooms for those who believe in him. And we like to imagine what those rooms will be like, but that's not the important issue. Although it is nice to know he's thinking of us as he's preparing for us. What we need to be concerned about in this life is whether or not a room is being prepared for us. And, and that is simply we need to give our lives to Jesus and trust him and acknowledge him in every area, let go of every single part of our life and make him our Lord and our Saviour. Let's keep going. Verses 5 and 6 says this, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, there's one way only. That's it. No other options. You're not going to get a better offer. <laughs> Jesus' leaving was a blow to his disciples. Just imagine being there at the time. I say this a lot while we're going through the Gospel of John, but we have the gift of hindsight, so we know the end and the beginning of the, the beginning and the end of the story. And so we know what's going to happen. We know he's going to die, he's going to rise again, and the glorious future and all of that. But imagine being in this moment when Jesus goes and he's dead. What they felt. It was a blow to his disciples. Their goal for the last three years was to follow him, and now he's going away and telling them that they couldn't follow him. Imagine what that would do with their heads. What? All this time you've said, follow me, drop everything, come and follow, and now you're going and you're saying we can't follow you? You know, naturally they would have questions. I know I'd have questions. It's good to have questions. Here's the point. 
In answer to Thomas's question about getting to God's house, Jesus made his sixth I am statement that he's made in this gospel. I am the way, the truth and the life. And he made it clear that not all religious roads lead to God and heaven because there's only one way. Only one does, and that's Jesus himself. He bridges the gulf between sinful man and a holy God with zero tolerance of other gods and religions. He makes it very clear. There's no grey area in I am the way. It doesn't say I am a way. It says I am the way. Not only is Jesus the way to God, he is also the truth, the source of all our knowledge about God. Everything he said is true. Everything he says is trustworthy. So if he says it, you can rely on it. In addition, Jesus is the source of life as opposed to death. He gives eternal life to those who believe in him. So Jesus makes it very clear that the destination was the Father. He did not say he came to show the way, but that he himself was the actual means to the way. So an illustration might be a flowing river whose current actually conveys the boat to its destination. So the boat flows with the current. Or maybe an escalator where you hop on, it's not going to take you down if it's going up. <laughs> you, you go with the flow, don't you? You hop on the escalator, it takes you to where you're going. Well, Jesus wants to take you to the Father in the same way. He wants to lead you to that place of relationship with him. And so get on board the Jesus escalator. That's what I reckon. Get on board. Head on up. <laughs> C.S. Lewis says it this way. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg <laughs> or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something uh, worse. <laughs> You've simply got a choice, haven't you? You know, all roads don't lead to God. Attending church, doing good works, trying to be a good person or following another religious leader won't get you to God. Jesus is the only way. It might seem like a narrow way, but thank God there is a way to eternal life. Amen. So don't follow me. I mean, it's nice that you're here, but don't come to this church because Anita and I are here. If that's why you're coming here and God moved us on somewhere, and I'm not saying we're going anywhere, but if he did, are you going to be still here? That's where you've got to find your grounding in Jesus. Jesus has led you to this church to connect in this place, to be here for such a time as this. And should something happen with us, I would hope that you would continue to flourish and, and go strong in this place. We don't want you leading into this place just because of us. You know, we might have relationship and you've come here because we invited you or whatever. But ultimately, the reason you plant somewhere is because God leads you to that place. God led you to connect with us and you're here because of God, not because of us. Does that make sense? Yes. Very good, very good. Let's keep going. Verses 7 and 9 says this, If you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. 
Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Show us the Father. You know, because Jesus came to earth, we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to know what God is like. That's why he sent Jesus. Fully God, fully man. For us to get to know God's characteristics, his love for us. You know, Jesus is one with God the Father, and Jesus is God with flesh and, blood, flesh and bones. The, the disciples should have known God because they knew his son. They, they already had a relationship with the Father through Jesus. I guess some of them just still hadn't got it and didn't realise. Philip had the right desire to know God, but his request to see the Father must have, I don't know, maybe slightly disappointed Jesus. You can tell in the way he responds, you know, have I not, how long have you been with me? All those years he had been showing his disciples the Father through his words and works. You know, you'd think Lazarus's resurrection would have shown them plenty about God, that something might have tweaked, <laughs> there's something different about this Jesus because he can raise the dead. So, verses 10 and 11. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. In other words, check out my record. You know, in response to Philip's question, Jesus in essence told him, if you are having a hard time believing me now, remember what I've said and done in the past. My words and works aren't mine. They come from the Father. We are one. And if that's too hard to believe, don't forget the miracles because they prove that I am God. So he's pointing them back again. Everything Jesus did didn't point people to him. He was always diverting attention to the Father because Jesus came to glorify the Father and everything that he wanted done on the earth. It's not about look at me. It's about look at him. Isn't that how we should live our lives? It's not about us. It's not about how good we are or how much we can wax eloquence or talk or, or the gifts that God's given you, and they're great, but it's not about that. It's about, well, God's good. God's, God's, God's glorified in what I'm doing here. Uh, you know, I thank him for the gift and that he's using me. Let's not be false humility and, oh, no, it's the Lord. No, well, God has used you powerfully, but... It's the attitude of your heart that reflects either, yay, look at me, or look at him. How good is my God? Verses 12 to 14. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will, also, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So the question is, is Jesus handing out blank checks here? Can we just go and do whatever in Jesus' name? That's a good question. You know, it's astonishing that Jesus said the disciples would do greater works. Do you read that sometimes? Well, they're going to be better than Jesus? See, Jesus was God. Remember that. And in addition, Jesus worked in the power of the Holy Spirit. So how much better could the works get? 
So the description greater shouldn't be misinterpreted. What greater means, it doesn't mean better. It means greater in numbers and extent. Because there's more of us than Jesus, right? Jesus was one man, God, but there was one of him. And he, he, Jesus, in his human form, couldn't be omnipresent like God. So he couldn't be in a hundred places at once. Whereas we're scattered throughout the nations. And when we call upon the name of Jesus and believe in our heart that God wants to heal someone or God wants to fix a broken relationship or God wants to provide in a situation, when we declare that in the name of Jesus, we're going to see greater works because God is going to be at work in and through his people that are obedient and love him and have faith in him and trust in the power of his name. So it doesn't mean better. It means greater in numbers and extent. And that's possible because God, the Holy Spirit, is now today living and working through every believer. The Holy Spirit can be everywhere, in everyone's heart, working in countless ways at any one given time. So with faith in Jesus, his disciples and us would do even greater work than Jesus had done. That's what it means, more in number and extent. What's so amazing is that all-powerful God chose to work through us a broken humanity. He's chosen to use his people who are broken and flawed and sinful humans, yet we're still able to accomplish so much because of God's goodness in our lives. Amen. So from only 11 disciples, Christianity spread to worldwide influence. They would take the good news about Jesus beyond Israel and to the whole world. And the book of Acts records some of these greater works in the first century. Let's ponder this from all of that information. You know, Jesus' invitation to do what we ask in his name is not a blank check or a magic formula to get what we want. Rather, he invites us to pray as he did, according to what God wants for us, for what will please him. When our requests are in line with his word and will, Jesus will answer them. And he always will answer so I want to encourage you in this place today. We're going to take time, allow time today for Jesus to minister to people who need comfort. Now the Bible teaches us that we are healed by the stripes on his back. He's into mending broken things. That includes relationships. That includes bodies that are failing. That includes minds that are confused. Mental health is such a big issue in our world today. But Jesus can come in an instant and touch and bring calm in the midst of the chaos. And so I want to invite Jeremy to come, come and join me. He's not going to play too loud today, Ross. We've, we've had a conversation. <laughs> Bless you, Jeremy. There's three Jeremys here today. How good's that? I won't embarrass you. There's three of us. It's a good name. <laughs> Jesus is here in this place today. And I want to encourage people, firstly, to accept him. So if you're in this place today, and I don't know whether you're close to God right now, whether you're very far away from him, maybe you're just so busy you haven't got time for him, 
uh, talking to people online at home too, please don't tune out because this moment is for you as much as anyone in the room today. Jesus comes and comforts us. But for us to receive that peace and comfort, we need to accept him. We need to acknowledge that he is Lord. The scripture says it right there. You see it every week. Romans 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we need to take care of that business first. Because it's when you've done this and acknowledge him, then the peace of God can come and bring comfort in the midst of your storm. So if you're in this place today, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and not be distracted to the left and the right people in the room. If you just know that you're in a place where you need to get your heart right with Jesus, well, today is your opportunity to say yes to him. Confess with your mouth he is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You'll become a Christian and the peace of God can be your portion for your life. So if that's you, if you're at home, I can't see you, but you can respond by lifting your hand in your living room and saying, God, I'm available. My heart is positioned and postured towards accepting you today. And if you're in the room today, just show me your hand that you want to surrender your life to Jesus. And we'll include you in a prayer. We won't drag you out in the front, but we are going to say a prayer together to confess that he is our Lord, to believe and confess that he is risen from the dead on our behalf, conquered sin and death so that we can be victorious in life. So just show me your hand if that's you. We're going to pray. Yeah, I see those hands. That's good. That's good. Wonderful. Let's just pray this prayer together, church. Just say, Dear Jesus, I thank you that you came to earth and to die for me. You conquered sin and death because you rose again. So I can live a new life free of condemnation, free of guilt Lord a new creation in you so Lord I confess with my mouth you are my Lord I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead so I'm a Christian and I'm going to live my life for you all the days of my life in Jesus name Amen if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you've just recommitted your life to Jesus, there's a party in heaven right now because God is so pleased when his children come to him with repentant hearts and make a choice to invite him in. And so we've dealt with that. God's good. Praise him. But God wants to do business with his church today, with his people. And I just firmly believe that there are people that need to receive comfort today. I alluded to it earlier, but in this room, there'd be so many things that each of us are facing. And you know what? Sometimes it can feel like a storm. You know that saying, where was your storm in a teacup? Well, sometimes it's bigger than that. <laughs> it's big. I don't know. What's bigger than a teacup? A soup bowl. I don't know. I don't know. It's huge. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes you just literally don't know what to do. And you're so angry and frustrated because you love God with all your heart, but whatever it is you're believing for just hasn't happened. And you just get frustrated. We've all been there. God told me that today he wanted to just breathe his peace over every situation. I don't have the magic words to say, but what I do have is Jesus. And I know that he can say, be still to the storm 
and then it was quiet. So if he can do that to a natural phenomena that's happening, he can come and breathe on your situation and, and bring you comfort and peace and encouragement in the midst of what you're facing. So if that's you, why don't you just stand where, right where you are. If you need to receive comfort today, don't be shy because you're in a safe place. You, you stand in God's presence right now and we're going to pray and we're going to believe for the Holy Spirit to come and bring peace, bring comfort, bring stillness in the midst of what you're facing today. Praise God. I'm not in a rush because I know God's dealing with people's hearts. I, I know for me, when I'm you sitting down there, I can be pretty stubborn. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all good. You know, especially when you're a pastor, oh, we're all good. There's no problem with us. No, we're just people like you and we have our situation. See, I'm standing already. <laughs> we all need the peace of God at different stages in our life. It's just about having that humility to say, you know what, I don't care what people think, but I need the Holy Spirit right now to touch a situation. So if you're near someone that's standing, like we believe on the laying on of hands, you could just lift up your hand towards them. If you're near someone, maybe just lay hands on them. Need a melody, you might want to go around and just comfort someone. And we're just going to pray. Because there is no words, but there is family. That's what we are. And there's God who can come and minister through us as we pray. So, Father God, every person that's standing, they are a precious child of the Most High God. And we just thank you in this moment. Whatever it is they're facing, Lord, often there are no words. We don't know really what to say, but you do. And so we pray for every single person facing a challenge, facing a situation, struggling in a moment, whatever it is. God, you know what we need. So, Father, I implore your mercy and your grace on each situation, on each person, that you would bring comfort today, that only you can bring. No flowery words are going to bring it. Your presence brings it. And I breathe your presence believe for it to touch every person that needs comfort, that needs reassurance, that needs reminding that you are a loving Heavenly Father. So Holy Spirit, we speak Jesus over every situation. Peace and comfort. Love and mercy. We thank you that you redeem us and you call us by name. right now you're calling us to fix our eyes on you, to trust you. Whatever it is we're facing, I just thank you that you provide us, you sustain us, you give us what we need. And we thank you. We thank you, Jesus.